Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you to our generous underwriters here on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Friday, July 8th, we're studying Psalm 8 a prayer in which the Lord's majesty and glory shine forth through his work in creation. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Kyle Meetsner. Pastor Meetsner serves at Zion Lutheran Church in Anchorage, Alaska. Pastor Meetsner, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Good morning. It's great to be here. Pastor Meetsner, as we start, talk a little bit about whatever context we need to know for Psalm 8, the the context question with the Psalms is a little bit different than other places in the scriptures, but there is context that might help us. What do we need to know as we prepare to look at the Psalm? Well, uh, one of the wonderful things about all the Psalms and that I've always kind of loved when I read them is um, they all have these headings. Well, most of them have have headings. And uh, Psalm 8 is addressed to the choir master according to the Gittith, a Psalm of David. Um, and so when we start off with this, you have like two questions right away um, to the choir master. And then according to the Gittith, what is a, a Gittith? And <clears throat> no one's really totally sure what a Gittith is. Um, if you look around in your footnotes here and there, you'll find that some people say that it is a kind of a song or it's a, a particular tone or it's an instrument, Gittith. It almost sounds like guitar. I don't know. But uh, another, there's, I found an interesting note in the uh, English Heritage Version, which is the, the Wisconsin Synod's recent translation, where they say that it could be uh, something from Gath. And I kind of like this idea that um, David picked this up maybe from Goliath or something, and then turns it into this um, song of, of praise. Um, but then there's, there's, there's also others who think that this term has something to do with the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, which is the Feast of Booths, and uh, in the Hebrew it's called Sukkoth. And uh, it's a, it is a week-long celebration of when the Lord dwelled among his people uh, during the Exodus. And there's kind of a wonderful thing that, that the Jewish community does. And you can see this if you have, um, if you have neighbors who are Jewish, they'll build a little uh, structure outside during, during this week, during the Feast of Sukkoth. It's called a sukkah. And, uh, and you're supposed to like camp out basically for a whole entire week. And now this is significant for us too, because, um, we don't celebrate the Feast of Booths per se anymore, although Jesus did, but we do celebrate Christmas, which is when our Lord um, took on flesh and dwelt among us or tabernacled among us. Um, and so we also see that Psalm 8 
is used in our liturgy. It's the uh, intro for the second Sunday after Christmas. So there is this idea that the Lord, even though he is majestic and above all the earth, he does not forsake us, but instead he becomes incarnate and dwells among us, tabernacles among us, uh, so to say. And and so it's just this wonderful psalm that we, we have today. And uh, we we remember particularly our Lord's incarnation and his his birth um, on Christmas, and and that's around when this this gets used in the church. So, and again, I you know all the scholars say, which is a good way of saying we don't really know, but um, they don't <laughs> really know exactly what the githith means. But it comes up enough um, that you know we have a couple good guesses and. Sure. Uh, yeah. But there's also this interesting I, thing in the this is written to the choir master, and so many of them are, and we're in the book of Psalms, and and these things are all just songs. And it's really interesting to me that when the Lord is organizing um, the people for service in the temple, he organizes musicians and singers. And so this is, it's clearly a musical term, whatever this is at the beginning. And, and there is constant singing in the temple all year long. And, and so what does that mean for us? Uh, that we have a God who, who ordained singing and, and the playing of instruments. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that that context of the constant music that you'd hear in the temple, and I love the connection that you made from this psalm to Christmas, because I, I think we will see how this song does talk about the incarnation, and what you were saying about Jesus being the Son of God, God Himself who tabernacles among us, and that's the language that John uses, and and in his prologue he says that's how we've seen His glory, which again is going to relate to. Psalm 8, that the Lord's name is majestic. He sets his glory above the heavens. And yet now in the incarnation of the Son of God, we see his glory dwelling among us. That's really, wow, what a, what a marvelous connection there. And it doesn't look particularly glorious to us. Yeah. You know, I always wonder when, when the uh, Magi get to Jesus, they've come all this way. And, and what are they expecting to find? They're expecting to find a king. They've brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which is what you are bringing to this king. And, and they get there, and, and, and it's, I mean, it must have been fairly underwhelming. Um, there he is um, at, in, in a stable, what, laid in a manger. Uh, huh, this is the glory of the Lord that is a child, a nursing infant, um, as we'll see, but, but there he is. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's go ahead and take a look then at Psalm eight. You've introduced the superscription to us, which says to the choir master, according to the Gitteth, the Psalm of David. And then Psalm eight begins. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. 
You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That is Psalm 8. Pastor Mitchell, let's start with uh, the first verse, naturally. And and that verse forms a, a bit of an inclusion here. We've got bookends on the psalm with the, the name of the Lord and the majesty at the beginning and the end. What's what's David doing there? Well, it's it's so this is an antiphon. It's something that comes before and very and at the end too. So yeah, I mean it's interesting that he he does this. Um when you're when you're doing these things for church, um the introits for every week you'll it'll it'll pick out an antiphon and uh this one just does it it's it's wonderful but and i was i was thinking about this oh lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth at the beginning and at the very end and in in most of our churches the very first thing that we do um in the name of the father son the holy spirit we we begin in with this name and then the very last thing that we do in the service, the the pastor lifts up his hands and and blesses the people with the name of the Lord. In Numbers number six, uh, twenty seven and thereabouts, the Lord says, "Lift up your hands and put my name on the people. When my name is on the people, there I am with them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face." shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And that is the name of the Lord being put upon the heads of the people. Everything we do is in the name of the Lord. And from beginning to end, not only in our liturgy, but also we rise in the morning. And as we say in the small catechism, make the sign of the Holy Cross and use the invocation in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And you do the same thing when you go to bed. And we do the same thing uh, when we bring people into the church through holy baptism and put the name of the Lord upon that child. Actually, it's wonderful. You you put your hands on the child and and you make the sign of the cross on them. And and the Lord pours this water on them, water that was made holy in the baptism of Christ. All water then is 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 put on the child with the name of the Lord, and and. And then when when we lay you into your grave, we we put the name of the Lord upon you as we as we lower you down in, into that that grave. And so everything we do is in the name of the Lord. And so this psalm kind of takes it from from the beginning to the end. Um, there it is. And and this is in Philippians two. We know too that this name that is lifted up above all others, the name of, of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And so the name of the Lord uh, is not to be misused for sure, but it is to be used and we make good use of it uh, here in this Psalm in our worship and in, in every single way in, in which we um, move throughout this life. 
So I, I really appreciate the way that you, you, I mean, the beginning and end of the psalm in the name of the Lord and the way that that echoes our lives as Christians and within the church. In in Psalm 8, though, the, the scope is, is greater than, say, an individual life or even just the life of the church. But here, the name of the Lord is seen as majestic in all the earth. So it, it goes, I mean, this is, I guess, about as universal as a scope as you could get. It is, yeah. <laughs> There's no limitations on this thing. And, and even when we get into the middle of this psalm, too, we start looking at the moon and the stars and the heavens and all these things throughout the whole entire universe. So with the, I mean, the way that David speaks of it, oh, Lord, and I suppose we should point out, you know, in English, it says, oh, Lord, our Lord. In the Hebrew, we're talking about two different words there, even though it gets translated and it sounds the same in, in English. We're talking about Yahweh, our ruler, or something like that to, to maybe distinguish between the two. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting, right? So we're saying like, well, there is Yahweh, of course. He is he is a Lord, but he's not just a Lord somewhere. It's not like when you learn about uh, Greek or Roman gods, in, in your, you know, classes in school and or learning about other history, other things like that. Well, yeah, Yahweh is the Lord and he is your Lord. He's our Lord. Yeah. This is amazing. He's not doing this for his own glory. He's not doing this for other people. He's doing this all for you. And he's put this all for you. Every, everything that is, he's put there well, for you. He's your Lord. What is it? What does it mean for the Lord's name to be majestic? That that's the term that gets used. How majestic is your name in all the earth? You kind of talked about this in the introduction. What is that? What does that mean? Um, I mean, it is it is above all things. And and you think about this when Moses is confronted with the burning bush and uh, says. Well, what am I supposed to tell these people who sent me? And the Lord speaks from the burning bush and gives him his name, which simply I am. And it's 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 wonderful when when we think of of majesty, um, we think of your majesty, her majesty, the queen, right? right. Um, they have this kind of uh, dominion over all things that. Um, they have authority over all things. And in the Lord's name, uh, he has authority over all the earth. I mean, that's, that's good news, especially for you who have been marked with the name of the Lord. So, it, which you will see in the book of Revelation, right? Um, God's people there are marked with the name of the Lord upon their foreheads. Everyone knows about the mark of the beast, but people forget that, oh, you have actually been marked with the name of the Lord, whose name is majestic in, in all the earth. Uh, that, yeah, again, that's good news for you. He's your Lord, and, and there, there is his name, and, and he is ruling over all things. Now, the, the psalm continues, and again, this is, this is entirely a prayer. You know, it's all addressed to the Lord, to you, O Lord. You, O oh Lord, have set your glory above the heavens. So, and we're going to see this, I think, throughout the psalm. There's this heavenly view 
that also gets contrasted and and compared to what we see on earth. So you've got the glory of the Lord above the heavens, but then the mouths of babes and infants are doing something as well. Take us into the, the psalm. Yeah, it's it's just wonderful. You know, it's interesting. I I, I hadn't quite um, noticed that it. It's almost like if you've read uh, St. Augustine's Confessions, which everyone should, it's a, a wonderful work. It's the world's first um, autobiography. But uh, this, this saint, he, he writes the whole entire thing. It's, like, it's kind of weird to read it because it's this nice big book, but it's all written as a prayer to God. And so he consistently is, um, he's not saying, well, I went here and did this thing and then that and that. He says, you, oh Lord, have done these things and you. So yeah, that's good, good point. Um, I, I love that. But yeah, so the, the Lord's glory is above the heavens, which by the way, if you're looking at your footnotes uh, at home, playing the home game, you'll see like, every single Bible has a footnote that says, this is a difficult verse. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, um, I'm not going to like solve that for you, but it's, the idea, though, is that, okay, so the Lord has this kind of infinite majesty that is out there, way out in the heavens. And then in verse two, out of the mouth of babes and infants, that's that's how you establish uh, strength. And, and so this is two different words for, for babies here. One is just babies, but then the other one is particularly nursing uh, infants. So children who are nursing. So we're talking about like very little children here. And so you would think, I, I would think that if the Lord's name is majestic and, and if his glory is above the heavens and if he has all this um, power and authority that he would come down and I don't know, smite some people or something or throw some lightning bolts, something like that. And that's how most of the other gods do these things, right? You have um, these important gods with big muscles who come around and, and whatever hit people or have uh, 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 big hammers that only they can yield and things like this. But instead, our God comes and out of the mouth of babes and infants. And it's interesting in the Hebrew, the word is is almost that he finds strength in their mouths. Mm that he, he, he sees them and what comes out of their mouths is, is where the Lord builds his strength. Now, pastor, you have children. I know. How old are your children? Uh, They go anywhere from 10 to eight months. Eight months. months Okay. So like what comes out of that eight month old baby's mouth? (laughs) <laughs> mostly crying occasionally cooing sometimes laughing yeah so you know not a whole ton of um intelligent speech there um it, it is just kind of wonderful yeah i i have three children and um, the oldest one is, is seven now and so you know she's pretty good but uh babies and nursing children don't have a whole lot coming out of their mouths um and they, you know, spit up too. You're so crying, and um, that's right. <laughs> and they can be. I forgot about that part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 they can be really, really loud too. It's yes. it's kind of like always alarming to me to 
hear how loud babies are willing to scream and cry. Uh, it just seems like it would take so much effort um, to to get that sort of volume out of their mouth. But but there they are now. It's uh, it is convention season in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and um, so let's see. Two weeks ago, I was in Portland for the. Uh, 66th convention of the Northwest district of the Lutheran church, Missouri Synod. And, um, and one of uh, my colleagues brought his baby, uh, brought his wife and his baby. And, and it's really kind of interesting. The, the child is maybe um, six months old or so, but um, you have this, big room filled with all these people doing this kind of, you know, important business. It's probably not actually that important, but, but we've all been sent there by our congregations to make decisions and elect people and uh, vote on all these things. And, and every once in a while that baby would, would make noise and in the whole entire convention hall would, would sort of pause and think, well, that's interesting. What is that? And 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 so it was really interesting to me to see that this this beautiful little child could delay this whole entire room full of these really you know kind of self important people. And that's how the Lord wants wants to do things. I mean, it's really interesting that He doesn't say that the Lord establishes strength by. Uh, popular vote by um, weightlifting or I don't know whatever other sorts of feats we would want to have. Instead, it's like what comes out of the mouths of of babies and infants. And I know this happens in church all the time too. And um, you you have children in church, and they can start crying like at any moment. And they can cry for a long time. And I don't, it doesn't bother me, you know, but me neither. it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, sometimes if I'm in the middle of a sermon and a kid starts screaming, like, I'll wait. It's fine. I don't need to, I, I got all day long, you know, we can, we can wait for, for this child. And um, I tell you, so uh, another colleague of mine, up here in Alaska, uh, he has a, a baby that was born on Palm Sunday, and uh, oh, a, that's appropriate. I know, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> and so, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, we had our our uh, workers conference up here, the pastors conference, and and uh, we're we're sitting in a church, and um, and this this baby starts making baby sounds uh, behind me in the pew, and jokingly. I turned around and like gave them a, a, a nasty look. I'm friends with them. So they know that it wasn't really nasty, but, uh, but it felt really, really bad. I was, I was like, Oh, that was supposed to be a joke, but it felt like the worst thing in the world to me. Um, so if you are doing things in the church that don't allow for the interruption of babes and infants nursing children, you're probably not doing the right things. <laughs> but yeah, it is. particularly, particularly for a baby that was born on Palm Sunday, 
because there were some people who got upset with what babies and children were doing on Palm Sunday, and Jesus quoted this verse at them. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. in Matthew 21, after Jesus rides in, in the, the, the crowds of people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us, Lord. And then... I mean, it's really kind of cool. If you sing these things, then your children will pick up on them. So a little bit later, it looks like it's after the cleansing of the temple. To me, it looks like everyone just kind of follows him to the temple. And then he casts out the money changers. And all the children are in the temple uh, shouting Hosanna. And so, yeah, when you do things like, say, pray the Lord's Prayer, your children will learn these things. This is good. Um, when you do things like go to the rail to receive the Lord's Supper, your children will see that and they'll say, I want that. Um, the children are there and and we we dare not um, do things that would, would corrupt them. Uh, Jesus has harsh words for that too. But um, the Pharisees are complaining that the children are running around in the temple and shouting, Hosanna, Lord have mercy. And so they, <laughs> that is one of the things that they tell Jesus. They're like, hey, all these kids, we, we cannot have this. And Jesus says, hey, have you not read that out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, uh, the Lord has established or prepared praise Huh. And, and he talks about this too, doesn't he? He says, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will not enter it. It it is it is so profound that in our uh, progress as Christians, what we're actually looking for is the the faith of a child. Um, you know, the the um, first Sunday after Easter. It's called Quasimodo uh, Genitai, as hmm. newborn infants, and um, and and here we are. Like it's kind of like don't think too highly of yourself, too. Um, That's I mean the the Bible the Bible never teaches us to call ourselves adults of God. No, we're, we're always children of God, and and that I mean that's the beautiful reality. In, in Matthew 21 and here in Psalm 8. We're going to keep talking about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking Psalm 8 with Pastor Kyle Meetsner. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. 
This is Luther Classical College, a college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, July 8th. We're studying Psalm 8 with Pastor Kyle Meitzner. He serves at Zion Lutheran Church in Anchorage, Alaska. Pastor Meitzner, prior to the break, we were talking about the praises of the children on Palm Sunday. Psalm 8 talks about the strength that God establishes out of the mouth of babies and infants. What's the connection between the praises, particularly of babies and infants, and strength? And, and how does that work to still the enemy and the avenger, as verse 2 says? So it's it's interesting when we baptize anyone in the church, um, and we go through these questions: Do you renounce the devil? And we we ask essentially: Do you believe the creed? And and we have the congregation respond in place of a child who cannot talk yet. But it's it's I mean it's really kind of profound though that we do that because the rest of the world looks at this and says this is completely foolish you can't ask a baby that uh you can't ask a baby anything can you uh so what is it that this child is is praising and believing um but this is how the lord does these things and and then at the end of this verse it in the ESV, it says to still the enemy and the avenger. And the in the the Hebrew is interesting. It it the word is Sabbath, and the in 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 the Greek, it's it's much clearer. In the Septuagint, it just says to destroy the enemy and the avenger. But how is the Lord destroying them? Well, He is bringing them to a complete rest, and. And again, it's this same word for for Sabbath all over the place, and that he quiets the enemy and the avenger, destroying them. Again, not not out of at the end of a sword or something like that. Although that will come elsewhere, um, but he is providing Sabbath. Um, just look at a baby, you know. Um, Something who is completely dependent upon everyone else in the world, a, a, a baby who is dependent on uh, its mother, and and there you go. This is faith, you know. Yeah. Now, as as the psalm continues into verses three and four, again we have David looking skyward. He's looking at the heavens, even the moon and the stars, but then he considers the place of, of humankind in this. How do verses three and four work in the prayer? Well, yeah. So we're kind of like going back and forth, right? We're trying to figure out our place. And I think maybe that's the the theme of this whole entire Psalm. What, what is our place? Where, where does man belong? Uh, are we way up with the Lord or are we way down um, on the earth? And so you can kind of have this when you when you go out into the the parts of the world that still get dark, you know, and you and you look up and you you start to think and and you wonder, you're looking at the expanse of the universe and 
I, I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes it's just very difficult for me to really understand how big the universe is. And, and apparently it's still expanding. I do not understand these sorts of things. I think they're endlessly um, interesting, but uh, I, I do not understand at all the massiveness of the whole entire world, uh, the cosmos, the universe. And there I am left to think when I am out there, even, you know, in Anchorage, I can see um, the Chugach mountains, which is, they're just beautiful and wonderful and huge. And when I, when I look up at the, the sky at the stars and, or when I look to the mountains or when I look to the, the sea, things like this, and you just think like, huh, the Lord has set all these things in place. And, and who am I? What that he remembers me in verse four. That's, this is the word that, yeah. what is man that you are mindful of him? What is, what is man that you remember him? Hmm. And, and you kind of start to think about this too. Um, you know, on, on the cross, the, the thief says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Cause what we would think is that, that he would ascend into glory, that he would, he would get too important for us, you know, mm-hmm. that, that he would go off and do other important, mighty and wonderful things and that, that we'd be left behind and he'd for, forget us. But, there he is. Oh, what is man that you remember him and, and the son of man that you take care of him, that you uh, visit him. And again, it kind of goes back to that theme that, that I had in the, the beginning with the um, uh, tabernacle, tabernacling with dwelling among. So yeah. again, that, that Hebrew word is for that you visit him. It's, it's kind of cool. He comes to visit us and to live among us. Uh, in in Jesus Christ, so yeah. I, what is man that that he remembers us? It's a wonderful question. Yeah, it really is, and I, I love the way that that David places that question within the context of of who the Lord is and the Lord's action. I mean, I suppose like what is man? That's a that's been a question that's been asked by any number of of groups of people through across the centuries throughout history. David make sure we consider that question within the context of, of who the Lord is and what he's done. And as you're, as you're saying, as Christians, you know, we, we have to consider it in light of who God is in his incarnation, especially. Yes. That, you know, so it's interesting in, in verse four, they use two different words for man. The first word is Anosh, which is, um, so much less common, um, hmm. word for, for man. But then uh, the son of man, then that is that is the son of uh, Adam, basically. And I don't know, maybe to like particularly say what is the son of Adam that you care for him? It's like, wait, Adam is our father. And it's not only are we pretty insignificant and small when you consider the scale of the universe, we're also the son of, of Adam. Which, I mean, the the son of of the ones who caused the fall of all humanity. By any right, we should 
we should just be ants that are stepped on and destroyed, but but we're not. Right. And so as, as David uh, continues this, this prayer in verse five, he talks about what is man, the son of man that the Lord remembers and visits him. And he says that you, O Lord, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And then we get into this idea of that, that launches David into the idea of the dominion that God has given. What is, what is David saying in, in verse five? Okay. He has made us a little lower than the heavenly beings. Now uh, this Again, if you got footnotes in your Bible, they're going to be telling you things about this. So, again, in the Septuagint, um, it tells us that they just, like, call it. They're like, the heavenly beings, that's angels, all right? Um, but then in the in the Hebrew, though, it's, it's, it's um, to me, it just looks like it says, like, from God. It doesn't even say uh, heavenly. It's actually Elohim. Um, so, it's this interesting thing there that i mean either way the the point is still sort of the same that the lord has made us lower either than himself or the angels um but it's not like he just like says all right you got a lower rank instead he crowns us with glory and honor and we know even that the the angels the heavenly beings um they are they're very interested in us and they're they're almost jealous of us okay because because we're the ones who receive the Lord's salvation it, he becomes one of us and they serve they serve us so yeah we are not denigrated by the fact that we are these created beings uh, who are not angels who are not God. It's also very, very important for us to remember that man is not God. <laughs> so in verse four, we're like, well, yes, what sir. is man? Hey, you need to remember man is not God, though you are yeah. crowned with glory and honor. Right. This this psalm is very clear as to the, the line of demarcation. There is the creator, and then there is everything he has created. And, yeah. and you and I, we fall into the second category. Yeah, and that's a good thing, right? And we know this, uh, and you, you think about this whole entire thing too, when I consider your heavens, you know, some translations say uh, handiwork. I like that. It sounds like uh, uh, knitting or something like that. But um, it, it, this is kind of like how Romans 1 talks about everything, right? Um, no one is without excuse. You can tell looking at the world, that that there is a God and there are th ways that the things are supposed to be working. And the problem is that people uh, begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. So we always, we always keep that in mind um, that, yeah, we are created beings. And again, which is, is wonderful if you, um, can, as uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about, find where you fit into the creation. And that's, that is what he is talking about here too. So yeah, it's very nice. I don't know about you, but it's, it's kind of nice not to have the responsibilities of God. Um, it usually doesn't go well for me when I try to take them upon myself. No. <laughs> and 
And and we were talking about um, before we started recording, just, you know, the directions that my life have taken have been to me completely unpredictable. And even my day to day activities are just seem to be kind of out of my hands. And that's fine because it's way better than anything that I could have written for myself. If I would have charted out my life, you know, when I graduated high school or whatever, it would not be as wonderful as it has come to be. Uh, I should be totally fine with uh, the Lord running my life. That, that, that just, it's a great thing. It's like, yeah, well, he's God. I'm not. But what has he given me to do? And this is the whole rest of the psalm. Well, he's given us. Right, so, oh, you go ahead. Well, in verse six, it, it, that's, I was just going to move you there. In, in verse six, then it talks about that God has given humanity dominion and put under all things under his feet. So what, what does that mean for the place of humankind within creation? This is the blessing that is given to uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, there are a couple of things that persist from the garden. There's a lot that we lost, isn't there? But there are some things that we still have. We have been given dominion over the works that the Lord has created. And he's put all things um, under his feet. But yeah, we're actually given to um, care for all the things that the Lord has given to us. You know, one of the first things that Adam does in the garden is just names everything. Like that's wonderful. And that's, that's part of what we do, right? As we continue to expand and explore throughout things, uh, we, we name everything. And it's pretty cool that, that, that that's one of the ways that we uh, exercise dominion over, over all these things. And it's, it sounds like a um, bad word or something, but it's just like he put us in charge of all the stuff and it's been given to us to to care for. Um, it's not been given to us to destroy or, you know, uh, lord over or whatever. But uh, no, he's he's given us rule over over the creation. So yeah, we are not God, but yet he has given us things to do to take care of the things that, that he created. And that should kind of provide for us um, a direction in, in whatever we're doing too. Right. Because, well, if this, if all these things are a gift of the Lord, then, then I, I should, I should see them as such. So what is it that I have that is, a gift of the Lord. What is it that he has made with his hands? Well, I mean, we can, do we want to go on and read what they are? Sure. Go ahead. So you're in verses, in verses, let's see, seven and eight, yes. you, you list sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and then everything else in the water too. Yeah. It's just really wonderful. He's given us all these things and um, you know, sheep and oxen, uh, they are useful animals too. Um, they they help us with things. They clothe us. They give us food. They help us uh, work the land by the sweat of our brow. 
Um, I was thinking it's kind of fun in uh, verse seven, the beasts of the field, just the Hebrew word is behemoth. Just so everyone knows it's, it's awesome. Behemoth. Oh, beasts of the field. So when you see a, uh, uh, we have uh, wood bison here that they reintroduced out into the wild and um, musk ox. I think those two things for me look like the behemoth. They're just kind of like, they're like, tanks you know they're, they're like the size of a volkswagen these these animals just kind of like plowing through the field but there they are and they're they're totally magnificent um and the lord has given us these things to actually um use them one take care of them um but then also in verse eight while the birds of the heavens fish of the sea and then all the other things in the sea too like so, even the things that we don't use, things that have no utility to us, are are still gifts of the Lord. Now, I am, uh, I'm someone who like wants to be a birder, but I don't like have the uh, patience for it. I guess, but <laughs> it, you know, all these people. I know all these people who, um, uh, like here in Alaska, we have. Uh, there's people who go out and count the uh, hawk migration, which I didn't even know that hawks migrate, but uh, they do. And it is really kind of wonderful just to look at all of these creations that are just surrounding us in, in, in this this beautiful world. And, and, and what does it mean that we've been given to, to care for them? You know, so the people that go out and count the uh, the hawk migration, like they're kind of doing what the Lord has given them to do, keeping track of these things. And um, I always hear there's some like time of the year where you're supposed to count all the birds in your your yard and and um, and report it to like Cornell or something. And and that's kind of doing what the Lord has given us to do. And to me too, it seems that. You don't need to have crazy lofty goals for your life, okay? Because we're talking about a Lord who establishes strength, who finds strength in the mouth of babies and nursing infants. And so, hey, if you go out and and count some birds, that's enough. And, and, and if you go out and and go fishing, that's enough. We, like, you're not God, and and you don't have to be. So you know, just look around at the creation and give thanks for for all of it that the Lord has placed you in in a place that you can even appreciate all of this and and give thanks for all the things that the Lord uh, has has given to us. It's all a little uh, Saint Francisy, isn't it? <laughs> I do. I appreciate you saying about, you know, even just counting the birds in your yard, because it, it, as you mentioned earlier, you know, if you're in a place where you still can see the night sky, not, not every place is, is as Anchorage, Alaska, which I'm guessing you can see as many stars as Abraham could, maybe not quite, but, but close to it. You know, not every place has that, but even to see those glimpses just in, in more urban areas, like this is, this is a part of what God has given you. I, I do want to, before we get too, too far, we got about seven minutes here, Pastor Meester. I want to make sure we, we talk a little bit about this because we've, we've mentioned it at various times, the, the incarnation of our Lord and, and how this Psalm, we're talking about things like, you know, 
humanity has dominion and and God has placed all things under humanity's feet. Well, sometimes we don't do a very good job with that role that God has given. That language of things being put under Jesus' feet is throughout the New Testament as well. How does how does the incarnation of the Lord fit into this psalm? Yeah, so it's interesting in uh, I think in in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus goes out into the wilderness after his baptism, it just says that he was with the beasts, and and maybe there's something to that that the second Adam is reestablishing Eden on earth. This is, by the way, my best ex- explanation for why people have um, pets in their house, animals that don't really do anything for us um, other than like they're cute sometimes, but they don't, you know, your house cat is not doing the work that an ox was doing in the field. But, um, but yeah, everything is put underneath the Lord's feet and his feet are pierced through as he is, nailed to the cross and lifted up. And as he draws all men to himself there, um, that's what the Lord's feet are doing. That's what we have done to them. And yet uh, on the third day, they go to take care of him and (laughs) don't find him in the grave. And he is raised from the dead and, literally walks upon the ground with feet that have been nailed through. Uh, He is ruling over the whole entire universe in a way that is um, changed from before Good Friday. Um, Death is overturned. And the death that we were all looking for that the only thing that we could reasonably expect to happen has been reversed and he has brought life into the world. And that's how he rules now um, by bringing life through his death and through his resurrection. These things that are given to you when the name of the Lord is placed upon you in holy baptism, when you are forgiven in the name of the Lord, uh, when we are celebrating um, this great thing that has been done for us um, in the the Lord's Supper, um, it, it, it and it's all this is how He's ruling. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of want to go outside and like uh, just see this world that has been given back to me now, and with with, and I don't know where my crown of glory and honor for a little bit. It it kind of feels wonderful, and and that's okay. Uh, this stuff should feel wonderful from time to time. We don't uh, we don't have to go around and, and feel feel sad all the time because well, the Lord well, is raised from the dead and and has brought life and immortality to light. Right. Uh, well, and that I mean, this psalm again is a psalm of praise to the Lord through and through for what He has done. Again, as the psalm closes, how majestic is Your name in all the earth? As we as we see these things, and as the Lord. Uh, puts us into this story, as you were saying, and, and we find our place within his creation, it's a cause for praise to his name. And particularly, 
when we see Jesus and what he's done, the, the writer of Hebrews quotes a couple of these verses from Psalm 8 and chapter 2, and, and he makes the point, you know, we don't always see how things are in subjection to him now, but we do see Jesus. And, and that that makes the difference to see, again, you know, that the Lord, the one whose name is majestic in all the earth and whose, whose glory is above the heavens, he's become one of us. And, and now, as our brother is seated at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning over all things, and that that does provide quite a bit of comfort and joy for us as we you know live in this role that God has given us still today. We have about two minutes here to to close things out, Pastor Meisner. Yeah, I mean it is, I it, it's it's absolutely wonderful. You know, I, I wonder too. Um, so if you if you guys have the Easter vigil, so the night before Easter. Kind of like how the night before Christmas, um, everyone gets together. So we do the same thing at Easter, and you can also do it on Pentecost too. But um, there's we sing the song of the three young men uh, from, which is uh, the song that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sing in the fiery furnace, and uh, it's all you works to the Lord bless the Lord. And there's just just this kind of wonderful list of all these creatures of snows and dews. And uh, even it, it says the whales bless the Lord, all these things. And then it's just so wonderful. I think um, that, that the Lord, this is how he is, is, is ruling again. And yes, his glory is set above the heavens and, uh, he establishes strength out of the mouths of babes and, and nursing infants, and and yet, it, like this is all for here for us and uh, the the whole entire universe, the whole entire world that he has created this and given it to us that that he is not seeking to destroy all of it, but even in his incarnation, he takes on all of the things that this world is. He takes on all the things that we are and we're not destined for doom and destruction. We are destined for life and salvation um, evermore. And, and, and that's what we're all waiting on. And that's what is, has been given to us already with the name of the Lord, which is majestic um, in all the earth. So, you know, use that name and uh, yeah, it, it's it's all good, you know. If you've if you've got the name of Jesus, uh, the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, which I mean, it's interesting when when Jesus is going to ascend into heaven in in Matthew twenty eight, and and he says, "Hey, you know what? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit." This name is going throughout the whole entire world, and it has come to you. And so indeed you can say, Oh Lord, my Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Pastor Kyle Meitzner is pastor at Zion Lutheran Church in Anchorage, Alaska, helping us today with Psalm 8. Pastor Meitzner, thanks for being our guest today. You're welcome. It's wonderful. The Lord's name is majestic in all the earth. This is the name that has been placed on you and me in holy baptism, the name that will carry us through this life and into the life of the world to come. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.